we're live. Welcome to today's episode of MicroConf On Air. I'm your host, Rob Wallen. I'm excited to be here today. Every other Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, we live stream for 30 minutes and we cover topics related to building and growing ambitious SaaS startups that bring us freedom and purpose and allow us to maintain healthy relationships. Thank you for joining me again today. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been on the live stream. And uh, I'm really excited to be talking today with uh, Dr. Sherry Walling. She'll be joining me in just a couple minutes. And I think she's already joining me in that, that photo right behind me. She's there with our, with our two boys. If you, in case you guessed it, not a coincidence. We have the same last name. Um, she's actually in this room right behind me over here. So we're going to be talking about habits of successful entrepreneurs. Um, she calling from her experience uh, as a psychologist, a speaker, a consultant, uh, CEO coach, and uh, podcaster, um, and me, of course, you know, relying on my experience of working with founders and being a founder for the past um, however many years, it depends on how you count, 17 years-ish. Um, I, yeah, if you haven't heard of Sherry Walling, she, as I said, she's a psychologist, speaker, podcaster. Um, she does yoga. She, uh, it says yoga teacher, yeah, in, in the bio. And she runs Zen Founder, which provides mental wellness resources to leaders and entrepreneurs as they navigate transition, loss, conflict, or any manner of complex human experience. She has written a best selling book um, called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together. It's available in audio format on Audible, Kindle, uh, anything on Amazon paperback as well. And that's been, it's a, it's an evergreen book about how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. And then she's releasing her next book, Touching Two Worlds, which explores new strategies for finding wholeness in the aftermath of loss. Um, that comes out in July, but you can pre-order it today if you head to touchingtwoworlds.com. So before I bring on the show and we dive into our six habits of highly effective entrepreneurs is kind of, kind of what it's going to wind up being. Um, I wanted to, we have kind of a cool announcement that pipe pipe.com, uh, is we don't have a partnership with microconf. So pipe is alternative financing. And if you want to learn more about them and how they allow you to return, they allow SaaS companies to treat their recurring revenue streams as an asset. You had to microconf.com slash pipe. And we'll be diving more into that in the coming weeks and months. You'll be hearing more uh, about Pipe and our partnership. And with that, I'd love to welcome Dr. Sherry Walling to the show. Well, How's hey it going? there. Hey. I love that you had to read my bio. Wasn't that cool? I didn't have to, but... <laughs> she does yoga? <laughs> I know. I was like, it says yoga in her bio, so I feel like I need to say it. And I wonder if you're... Did your mic okay, pick that I up? Hear that. You're All right. My, my books on my bookshelf. Super annoying. So I, uh, it, it's always great to chat with you. I know that we had the conversation breakfast about together. habits of again breakfast and got the kids on the bus and all that. Um, successful entrepreneurs. We had this conversation at the microconf locals, and so here we are to revisit. Did you realize that any of the things? Um, did you have the realization that any of your your three or four? habits are no longer valid? Were they not evergreen? Did they change once no, daylight savings time happened? No, <laughs> daylight savings screwed them up. Yeah, no, I think the things that make people performers and help them to be focused as entrepreneurs are pretty consistent. So uh, although the world ebbs and flows and different challenges arise, these are really about being flexible in light of the changing sort of landscape of the world around you. So should I jump right in? Well said, yeah. My first one. Kick us okay. off. So when I think about 
habits or ways of being that um, really determine how successful someone will be or habits of successful entrepreneurs is the first one that I came up with is having a sense of intentionality in how you work. And for me, this means being mindful and planful in thinking through how you organize your days and your time to avoid the trap of being reactive. So I think um, one habit that is not helpful is you know jumping into your email first thing in the day and that that then determines your to-do list, that determines what you do in a day. But I think entrepreneurs who are really effective in using their effort and their time well are very intentional. So maybe they have seasons where they are sprinting, where they're working really hard, focused on a launch, putting in long hours, but then they have a season where there's relative rest, where they're thinking about maintaining processes or doing big picture planning. So having a thoughtful strategy around what kind of work is required on any given day and any different sort of point of your business, I think is really, really helpful. Yeah. And it sounds like it's a fractal where it's you're talking about in an hour or a day, but then also being intentional in a week and also being intentional in a year, right? Of having, I mean, I think seasons is something that we've talked about quite a bit of sometimes I'm going to have a season of 60 hour weeks. I don't do that so much anymore, but I remember when I bought Hittail and I said, I'm going to have about two months, three months here where it's going to be nights and weekends plus full days, but I'm not going to do that forever. Right. And it was, and that, I think I was very intentional about that. Right. And we spoke about that versus sometimes it catches you off guard. And I think the rea- the times when I've been reactive to things are the times when I like my work the least. Usually that's actually when I get really stressed out. It's important to be able to sort of pick your head up from any given task and know what you're doing and why and how it fits into the larger goal and intention for your business. Yeah. So that's, I like the word intention because it's not so much about like having a miracle morning habit or mm-hmm. doing this task at this time in the day. Um, but it's, it's just really being able to hold that bigger picture of what your effort means and why you're allocating it in the way that you are at a given time. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I, I feel like having, we'll probably touch on this again, but like having a co-founder or a partner or a mastermind or like those folks can help with this, not to keep you accountable, but I think to a lot of us, you know, have the entrepreneurial ADD and I think having intentionality and sticking to something, um, is challenging. And I think some of us do need accountability that actually leads into my first habit of successful entrepreneurs is focus. Um, shiny object syndrome is, is a big thing with entrepreneurs. A lot of us are ambitious, motivated. We want to get a bunch of stuff done, but a lot of us wind up being distracted. And I've seen folks with a lot of, it depends on your personality, so know thyself, but uh, you know, some folks who I see have kind of middling success in their startup start like bouncing around instead of focusing on the hard stuff, like putting in the hard work on, on the grind of cranking out the SEO, the next article or the next thing that's kind of working and doubling down on that. It's like, well, I'm going to go try this new thing. Well, I'm going to translate my app into another language. Well, I'm going to, and it's just like bounce, 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 bounce. And those are more high level things. But I think even in a given day, I don't know if you've ever sat next to someone who can't sit and focus long enough to just get through email, maybe, maybe our 15 year old. I was, gonna, that's what I was thinking about. I'm like, do one thing. Yep. 
Yeah. I, I do think that, that that challenge with focus is is the shadow side of a great entrepreneurial strength. So most entrepreneurs are really capable of divergent thinking. You know, they don't necessarily think in linear ways. They're capable of like jumping in and and being really intrigued by a new problem. So there's a lot of curiosity that goes along with entrepreneur sort of mentality or mindset. And so I think those things are really important, but the downside of it is sometimes it's just lots and lots of distractions. So being able to honor that your brain is capable of maybe a lot of hopping from one thing to another, but it's not always helpful for your business. Yeah. And the hard part is there is some judgment involved, right? There are, I do know some entrepreneurs who have been working on a problem and their product is doing okay. And an opportunity comes along that's tangential to it or related to it, or they discovered it because they're working on this problem. And it's a much bigger and actually objectively better opportunity. But it's hard to see that at the time, but in retrospect, it is. But for me, it's like 95, 98 out of 100. That's not a good idea. Like most, I think most people just want to give up too early and want to bounce from the one to the next to the next to the next. And you have this string of 10 failures that you put six to 12 months in each instead of like one of those probably would have worked, you know? Um, but there are edge cases and that's where the judgment comes in. It's not a 100% of the time you should always continue on this. And that's the, the challenge of entrepreneurship is making hard decisions with incomplete information. Right. And, and no good advice ever includes the words always and never, period. <laughs> never. It never includes the words I like That was great. I was <laughs> waiting for that. Get really meta level with you. Um, and I think that's another place where um, a coach, a mastermind, just a safe trust and sounding board who has a sense of your business can be really helpful here in, in trying to discern whether it is an exception to the focus rule or, you know, whether it's something that you need to just slog through. Yeah. Well, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, if you're watching this live, you should drop any questions you have for us in the MicroConf Connect Slack um, microconf on air channel, or you can head to YouTube and there are, there's a chat there and producer Xander will bring those questions for us. What's your number two? Uh, my number two tactic or strategy for successful entrepreneurs is really to invest in relationships. And I think for some, this can feel a little bit, um, counterintuitive. You know, I think People think about building certainly a SaaS company and they think about like the tech and the strategy and the product market fit and all those things. But most people who have really found that next level of success have done that because they have had mentors, they've been a mentor, they have super fans, they have a community that really believes in them. And so taking the time throughout the development of your business to really nurture relationships, both with people who can help you and people who you can help who then become your super fans and, you know, are people that you've invested in tends to be, I think, a great, great investment that some entrepreneurs can overlook um, to their detriment. Yeah, which I did. From 2005 <laughs> to 2011, probably, <laughs> right? I mean, I was, I was the the person who you know didn't want to work with anybody, right? Because I didn't like working day jobs. Because humans. Because humans. Because I had coworkers who I didn't favorite. like. So I figured, well, I guess I don't need coworkers, right? But that was a, it was a mistake. Um, and in fact, while I had enough success that I was able to quit my day job during those years, I didn't move very quickly, and I I could have got there faster. I think I could have had, you know, more success. However, I would have defined that um, if I'd had more people around, you know, and it was, I think it was 20, 
10, 2011, right around the time that I real that I realized, like I started a mastermind. Actually, I started two masterminds around then. Uh, we started Microconf. We already had the podcast, and that was where I realized, oh, these relationships—they really, there really is something to, to to having a network and having a you know a group of people that know you and that you can reach out to, whether it's for favors or whether it's for help when you need it, accountability, opinions, advice. You know, you think about Tiny Seed and how quickly that came together. Like the, our mentor page was filled within a week with like world-class SaaS experts and founders. Why is that? Well, it's because I, I didn't cold email Steli Efti and Heaton Shah and, you know, who all the other people on that page, Laura Roeder. I didn't cold email them. Like they had spoken at a microconf, right? Or we had met at a microconf and there was a relationship there. And so they don't, the people on that page don't do things for anyone, right? They specifically said, I don't know, somebody said, I don't normally do this, but I'll do it because it's your thing. And yeah. it's like, well, why did they say that? Well, because they knew me and because they'd been to my You know, it's like we had that prior relationship. So. Yeah, I think one of my friends and mentors, Jason Gaynard, talks about how every business is community made. Hmm. Even though there's one or two founders at the at the forefront Every business that's successful is made by a group of people. And I think if you're listening to this and you you don't know who your community is that's making your business with you, then it'd be a good thing to think through because all of us um, are successful because you know people buy from us, people believe in us, people trust us, and all of that is, is, a, is relational capital. Do you need growth capital to scale, ramp up your marketing, and acquire new customers? Pipe turns your recurring revenue into upfront growth capital within as little as 24 hours of being connected. What does that mean? Pipe is a two-sided trading platform for recurring revenue that connects you directly to the capital markets. Simply sign up for free, securely connect your billing, banking, and accounting software with a couple of clicks, and Pipe will provide you with a trading limit in as little as 24 hours. Select the amount of capital you need, click trade, and get cash in your bank instantly. No 30-page business plans or founder due diligence, just growth capital based on the health of your business. Perfect for time-strapped bootstrappers. Pipe works across industries from SaaS, DTC subscription, media and entertainment, services, real estate, and even financing M&A transactions. You can use your piped revenue to grow your sales team, boost ad spend, and scale however you see fit. Pipe is growth on your terms. And right now, MicroConf listeners get trading fees waived for 12 months, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars, depending on the size of your business and the volume you trade. Sign up at pipe.com slash microconf to start trading today. That's pipe.com slash microconf. We have a good question from the audience. Mujda on YouTube says, any recommendations on how to turn off after the workday, like mentally turn off. It's hard to sleep well with so many business-related thoughts racing. Mm, great question. I'm going to save that for my next tip because it's part of it. So if I don't um, answer it satisfactorily, I'll you know prompt me again. But that's part of my next uh, next piece. So what, why don't you just roll right into that? Just go I for it. Okay. It <laughs> so my other strategy that I think really helps to support success among entrepreneurs, um, maybe somewhat surprisingly, is that they have something else that they care about. 
as you are identifying all business all the time is not helpful. It's not helpful because our brains aren't meant to use the same neurological circuitry over and over and over. So if you think about your brain as, you know, as an, as an organ, it's like um, powered by these electrical connections between neurons. If we use the same ones over and over and over, then we risk, um, you know, venturing into burnout, which I'm starting to think of as like a repetitive stress injury of our brain. Like we're just using the same thing over and over. So if you really want to offset the danger that your brain will become overworked and you will keep thinking about the same things in patterns ad nauseum, it is important to create other things in your life that are really important to you. So for many, that can be your relationships, but it's also really important to have something else that you do, another hobby, um, a sport, uh, something that you do that uses really different circuitry within your brain. That's important for neurological health, and it's important for creativity, for divergent thinking, for your brain being healthy over the long term of your life. It is also helpful for you to be able to kind of easily, easily change the channels in your brain, if you will. So as you are going through your days, having other things that you care about super helpful, Specifically, as you think about transitioning away from business thinking into other kinds of thinking, like, you know, maybe you're getting ready for bed and all of those to-dos are circulating in your mind and it's hard to rest and get ready to sleep, it's really helpful to just keep a journal beside your bed and get all of those thoughts out, get all your to-do list, everything that's circulating in your brain that's business related. And you might be writing for a while, I understand. But write it down, get it out so that your brain is satisfied that those thoughts have a landing place and your brain is not worried about repeating them over and over so you'll remember them. So those are two tricks. One, make sure you have something else you care about. The second is keep a notebook by your bed so that you can kind of purge your mind of those thoughts uh, so that you can sleep well. Very nice. Good advice, doctor. My second tip is it's kind of almost my second and third are so similar. The second one is willingness to make mistakes. It's the ability to take risks and try things that aren't going to work out. I think the fear of failure keeps us from trying ambitious things, often doing that price increase that you should really should do to improve the business or making the set, taking the sales calls, doing live sales demos, aren't that fun, but they can really push your business forward. But it's like, well, what if I say something stupid? What if I don't close the sale? What the fear of rejection? And often these things are what you need to push into, you know, the things that I fear or, or don't want to do day to day. I always question, is it because it's boring and I should hire someone to do it? Or is it something I should actually lean into? as an entrepreneur and is that going to be my area of growth and is that going to be how I break through because do you know entrepreneurship is a lot about doing hard things that are complex um what do you think on that yeah i think as an entrepreneur you are, you are always in some margin of growth like you're always in a place that you haven't been before. If your business is growing, then you're learning how to run a business of a certain size or run a team of a certain size or manage revenue of a certain size. Um, if your business is not growing, if it's struggling, then you're solving different problems. So I think any point in your life as an entrepreneur, you're in a place of, of uncertainty where you don't have perfect competence. And that's a hard 
reality. It's a hard sort of emotional space to live in where mistakes are always possible, where failure is always possible because you're, you're just not perfectly competent in that particular challenge. And I think that that's a big part of the emotional battle of entrepreneurship is just getting comfortable there where you're tolerant of your own mistakes and you're okay to take thoughtful risks in these directions where you haven't developed your competence yet. Yep. And, you know, there's a question um, from the audience regarding willingness to be wrong. Where do you draw that line in terms of risk? And this is always that that one I have where it, it does depend on your personality, on your place in life. But I think if you're putting things on the line that, you know, have a have a decent chance of being detrimental to your life, like not making a, like losing a house or having fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt. To me, that's just that's irresponsible levels of risk. Now you'll hear some founders do this and they get successful, and so should you do that? But I, to me, nine times out of ten, that's not going to work out. And I, I think that's I often gauge things on <laughs> if this doesn't work out, what are the long term detrimental effects, right? I mean, I spent $30,000 to buy Hittail in 2011. The upside to that was substantial, right? It made hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for us over the long term. But the downside was that I lost $30,000 that I had in the bank, mind you, I had earned in the business. So the risk was, there was risk, but it wasn't, I wasn't taking out a mortgage on the house that then I couldn't make a house payment on, right? It's different, different risk. And I think even in the the smaller risks, you can control your preparation. You can control your practice. You can control, you know, the number of times that you think it through. Like, I think that risk should not be confused with like sloppy half-ass effort. Mm. <laughs> um, risk is very thoughtful and intentional. It's, you know, I think about it. So if I could tell a trapeze story in my side life, I'm a circus artist and I've been working a lot on the flying trapeze, which is a very risky sport. Um, it's, you know, spinal cord injuries are sort of easy to get. Um, and so with, it's a lot about calculating risk. And I have to think how many times have I practiced this trick before I try to do it outside of safety lines? Or how many times do I drill the basics of my swing so that I know that I am in control of my body and safe as, as safe as I can be. And so those basics being in place is really, really important on any risk that you're taking. And, and that's, that's controllable by you. That's something that you can, you know, put the work in to make sure that your, your risks are as thoughtful as possible. Um, and that makes it a little safer to make mistakes. Before I dive into my third and final habit of successful entrepreneurs, I want to let you know that if you want to see Sherry and I in person in about two weeks, two and a half weeks, April 3rd through oh, 5th. That soon? It's, yeah. Whoa. We, we both have to write talks for that. So Sherry is speaking at MicroConf Growth. I Here, hope no will saw. Yeah, don't. I, good thing Xander's not listening to this and doesn't know you haven't written and <laughs> built a single slide. Um, Ooh, why are you outing me? Neither have you. I know, but that's that's how I roll though, right? I do it every time. April 3rd through 5th, MicroConf Growth. You can head to microconf.com slash growth. There are still a few tickets available, but you are talking about a super interesting topic. You want to give folks like a one sentence summary of uh, yeah, what you'd be talking, talking about? about the psychology of exiting, um, which is surprisingly like a really 
important topic that I don't think gets addressed much. It shows up in my consulting work all the time as founders are considering an exit or in the middle of an exit or are post-exit and all of a sudden they find that their uh, psychological well-being can take a nosedive. So we're going to talk about that and I'll give you some tips to try to prevent some of the uh, the challenge that can go along with an exit. Yep. Every, like I say, everyone sells, everyone exits at some point. And I say it a little facetiously because that's an always or a never, but I didn't think MailChimp was going to sell. I didn't think, I didn't know that Drip was going to sell. I never thought like Barometrics was, there's all these companies that I can list. And it's like, oh, they sold. Like I fully expect, you know, maybe Basecamp's the one that will never sell, but you know, even it's then. It's going to, I mean, at some point there will be some version of an ending though, unless, unless we think DHH and Jason are going to live forever. Right. Which so anyway. So <laughs> cryo Go sleep, because that's not living. Yeah, I don't know. We're up on a weird tangent. But anyways, uh, microcomp.com slash growth, if you want to come see us in person. My sixth and, well, I guess it's my third, but our sixth and final habit of successful entrepreneurs is successful entrepreneurs move quickly. They get a lot of things done and they take action instead of waiting in indecision. And this one's an interesting one because it's, I, this ties into the other one I said about, um, you know, willingness to make mistakes, right? I think that fear of mistakes can cause you to move slowly because you over deliberate things. And a lot of the successful founders I see a are willing to make that mistake, but B they will make quick decisions. They don't need to, um, they'll make quick decisions on the two way doors on the things that they can go back, you know, go back from basically that can undo decisions like selling your company or, taking investment, like these are kind of mostly undoable decisions. So those you obviously need to give a lot of thought about. Um, but things like getting a marketing site up, getting these SEO articles done, hiring someone, you know, these are all undoable decisions. And I, some people I see take two days to do one of those and a different person can take 30 days to do one of those because they deliberate or they move slowly or they get distracted or whatever it is. And the folks who I see moving quickly, as long as they're not flailing, because you can also just right, do a bunch sloppy. of, right. It's not churn, like you're just churning around, you know, burning through time. As long as it's not that, that this is definitely a, I think a factor in being a successful entrepreneur. And it's that balance between being intentional and focused and then also in motion, like moving. So I, th I think, you know, there's obviously some nuance when you combine these different um, elements that we've talked about today. But I do think that people who really languish in indecision or uncertainty, first of all, they're just, they're suffering. Like it doesn't feel good to be there. And I think that can make the psychological experience of being an entrepreneur much harder. And so, so much more satisfying and helpful to do a bunch of little experiments, right? To collect, to try a thing, collect some data, try a thing, collect some data. Don't worry so much about the mistakes, especially when these are smaller or reversible decisions. Yeah, that's good advice. We have a couple questions coming in from Pablo on YouTube. He says, should different roles in a startup like tech sales and marketing work on developing different habits. What do you think? I mean, I think different humans need different habits, right? No brain, no two brains are the same. No two set of superpowers are the same. So having flexibility for each individual around what kinds of habits and patterns are most conducive to their optimal workflow 
um, is important in every business for all people. Yeah. And I used to, example, I used to keep all my to-dos in a notebook and then I didn't like that I couldn't access it if I didn't have my notebook with me and I'm worried about losing my notebook all the time. So eventually I transitioned to Trello and I recommend to some people that they should use Trello for their to-do and some people, it just doesn't work, you know? And then Tracy uses a totally different piece of software and is recommended to me and it's like, oh yeah, I don't, that doesn't fit the way I think, right? Or the way I work. I mean, that's a, a small example. Yeah. But I also think like some people get in the habit of getting up at 5 a.m. every day, like you, and and getting Anything a bunch of work done. that I'm going to do in my day is done before 10 a.m. Yep. Versus me, I get up, I move slowly. I don't, you know, I don't do much work. <laughs> onboarding around 11 a.m., your brain yeah. starts working. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe like 9.30. Don't exaggerate, but, you know. Daylight savings. Yeah, exactly. No, it's 10.30. <laughs> but, you know, there's just like different, but I've learned, and I've also learned like I am... Forgetful is not the right word, but maybe I, I need systems. Like I have calendar reminders. I have, you know, Trello board that I keep everything. Like I can't keep it all in my head. Some people can. So it's like figuring out, it's knowing yourself and then figuring out where am I failing over and over? Where, what mistakes am I making that are easily solvable by things like software reminders, to-dos, you know, that kind of stuff. Good, good question, Pablo. Another question from Helen on YouTube. It says, what's your advice for getting sleep quality, getting good sleep quality when your schedule or routine demand you to be flexible? I'm a founder and a co-caregiver. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always a tricky one and sleep is often the first to go when we've got lots of things going on in our lives. Um, a couple quick tips are really, really limiting alcohol intake. Um, and I say this, you know, I, I love a good glass of wine and a good cocktail like everybody else, but that's one of those things that's super disruptive to sleep because it prevents us from dropping into deep sleep. So sleep quality is much improved when we abstain from alcohol. Um, also getting that exercise in to help your body be really tired um, can be really helpful. Um, not doing it right before bedtime, but timing that out so that by the time bedtime rolls around, your body is really ready to lay down. So um, there's some really great articles about sleep hygiene, and I can uh, send those if people are interested. But also a good Google search is helpful too. But it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, and I think sleep is really one of our most important assets as entrepreneurs. It's, it's a place where our brain does all the really good, important stuff. And it's so important that I've read two books on it. One's called Why We Sleep that I recommend. They're both, I listen to them on Audible, but one's called Why We Sleep and the other is called, I believe it's The Science of Sleep. They both said a lot of the same things, but what was interesting, they talk about sleep types and there's like three you know, different human body types in terms of sleep. They've done all these, maybe it's four. Um, so it's like, figure out, you figure yours out. Are you a morning person? Are you an evening? There's all this stuff. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, it was like, I didn't realize a big thing was keeping your room. You want it like a cave. Mm -hmm. You want it cold, dark, and quiet and really dark. Like even like one light, they would blindfold people. They would go to sleep and they would tape a blue light to the back of their knee and they would get lower sleep quality than, mm -hmm. yeah, that like our body reacts to light, not just our eyes. So like, I like I cover every light in the you know in our room, and I also then wear like I get up in the middle of the night and I put a sleep mask on. Um, so it's like stuff like that, like keeping it more quiet than I think uh, you know it, more quiet, more cold, and and um, dark darker than you think it needs to be. I think was a big realization when I read those books. Your cave, it's hard. Yep, 
Yep, yep. Uh, last question, startup man on YouTube. He asks, he or she asks, can you talk about perfectionism and how to forgive yourself? I tend to spiral if I miss a goal, which I believe is rooted in perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And we actually talk a lot about this in our book, which I'll do like a really obnoxious little plug for because I have it right here. The book. Um, one of the things that can can be at play there is how rigid you are in your thinking and your thought process and in your adherence to your expectations of yourself. So when our thinking is really rigid, like this is the one way for me to be successful or the one thing that I need as an outcome, then when that doesn't happen, whether it's within our control or not, we can really spiral. So understanding that, um, the more flexible you are in your thinking and the more flexible you are in the ways that you celebrate your accomplishments, the better. So, you know, I think, I don't know, it's all, it's all a struggle and often our success isn't fully in our control. And so being willing to do a deep dive into what didn't work, why it didn't work, what you learned and what you need to let go of is again, this sort of very intentional practice of how you're tending and taking care of your thought process. So this is, there's like a lot I have to say about this. So definitely check out the book and, you know, we can have more dialogue in the future if it's helpful to you, but it's, it's a tough one when you want something very badly and you're working very hard to make it happen and then it doesn't work. Yep. I know that feeling. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. If folks want to follow you on Twitter, you are at Sherry Walling. And folks should, again, go to touchingtwoworlds.com. They want to check out your upcoming book and uh, maybe buy a ticket to a circus show here in Minneapolis. Circus show. Circus. Thanks again for joining me. Yeah. I'll see you in two minutes on the other side of that yeah, wall. Yeah, I'll see you in just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh no <laughs> let's see register you should register for the state of independent sas where this is our third report that we're releasing so it's kind of cool we have trends in data now um, i'm going to be giving a presentation from the microconf growth stage and we will be live streaming that direct to any device that you choose it's going to be 10 15 a.m to 10 45 a.m central time on April 4th, stateofindiesass.com. Pay what you can. And if you use promo code SOIS2022, then it is free. There are still a few tickets left to MicroConf Growth, as I teased earlier, microconf.com slash growth. And as always, thanks to Hay and Stripe for being our headline partners in 2020, 2021. And now again in 2022, they make everything we do just a little easier. And they are um, you know, great companies that are aligned with uh, the MicroConf ethos and have been longtime supporters of MicroConf. So thanks again for joining me. And I'll see you back again in two weeks, same time, same place.